This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The White Lotus. For your awards consideration, The White Lotus, the HBO original series, is a sharp social satire hailed as hilarious must-watch TV by Roger Ebert. Watch what the New York Times calls a sharp, soulful series. The White Lotus is now streaming on HBO Max. Welcome to another episode of Yellowstoners, a podcast dedicated to getting high on drama and digging into the Duttons and everything Yellowstone hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo and editor-in-chief of the playlist, Rodrigo Perez. We have just a jam-packed episode today. We're going to be digging into episodes seven and eight of Yellowstone, our initial thoughts on 1883, the Yellowstone prequel. And last but not least, I interviewed Tim McGraw a couple of weeks back, who plays James Dutton, the great-grandfather to John Dutton. Uh, on 1883. And we finally get to share that with all of you. But before we jump into that, I have to tell you that Yellowstoners is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, the Discourse, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. Like and subscribe on any of your podcast apps of choice and drop us a comment on iTunes as we always appreciate it. Okay, so episode seven and eight of Yellowstone, they're, they're turning up the gas, so to speak. Beth's plan to take down market equities is starting to take shape. John is running for governor to cut Jamie off at the pass. Jimmy is coming into his own uh, and and finding love down at the four sixes. And uh, we find out why Beth picks a fight at every fucking dinner (laughs) in the dining room. Uh, (laughs) Casey and Monica had a special little surprise. And then to top it all off, John and Rip take down a random diner robbery, but, you know, not before taking losses themselves. So a lot uh, of things happened. A Um, lot of things over the course of two episodes, a lot of jam-packed stuff. Yeah. So how are you feeling overall about these past couple episodes uh, now that we're starting to charge towards the end? Um, How many episodes is this season? Is it nine or 10? I think it's 10. Usually they're all 10. So we're almost, so we're at seven and eight. So we're almost done. Yep. Two episodes Uh, left. I guess I it I don't feel I, I think it's okay. It's it's not bad. I, I don't feel the the crescendo heading towards the ending. Like I don't like obviously the Jamie John Dutton trying to get revenge on the man who killed him who's in prison, or the man who tried to kill him, who put the hit on him who's in prison, who's connected to Jamie's biological father. That's probably where it, the, this thing is all crescendoing towards mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like other than john mentioning like okay i know who he is and he's in prison and i'm gonna get him it doesn't feel like the wheels of that finale are very much in motion yet quite i, I at least I, I don't think so or it's been pretty slow going like usually by now there's been a lot more drama and things have been super tense and it's it's sort of you know buckling forward to like a, a very big conclusion. And I don't feel like the, the, the series is quite there yet in, in this, in this season. Yeah. It almost feels like they're maybe trying to, to draw this overall arc out over two seasons, possibly. 
just because I think things will to a point come to a head with Jamie and, and John and Garrett. Um, but I, I feel like it would be better to, to really lean into it next season and, and kind of come out with. Uh, really? Because I, then I would find that, that this season would end up being a little bit more episodic if they don't really try and include that story. Yeah, um, I, like I said, the, I don't think the wheels are quite in motion yet, but if they, you know, press the gas pedal in the next two, they can probably do it. I, I just don't, I feel like at this point we would know what the final sort of drama would be. And again, we know what it is, but it's sort of still like, it, it just doesn't, hasn't coalesced in the way that Yellowstone would have by now. The market equity equities thing seems pretty obvious to me that it's going to backfire on Beth. Yeah. Um, that seems like they almost tipped their hand at it too much. She's obviously working both sides of the fence on that one. So that seems pretty obvious to me. Yeah, I guess the, the Jamie thing has obviously not turned out the way I predicted. I assumed he would go back to John Dutton and, you know, sell out his father or, or, or being a moral person, he would be repelled by the fact that his biological father, is his name Wade? Um, uh, Garrett Randall. Gary Randall. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, it's like, that doesn't feel like, I, it didn't go the way I thought it would. I thought him being sort of like the more um, moral character that he'd be repelled by his father and go back into the arms of John Dutton, which, you know, he hasn't done. So at least that, I, that, I, you know, I suppose that that twist has, uh, has taken me for a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Like I've said on, on previous episodes, I think he makes some good points and is, is kind of, yes, he's the devil on, on Jamie's shoulder, but he's also, he has some valid points in that John has completely corrupted him. He's, he's literally doing terrible things to take out the Duttons. He's looking out for his kid and I can, I can definitely identify with that part. Do I think he should make it out of the season alive? No, I, I don't think he will. But I still think Jamie and, and his, John are going to have a long battle ahead of them where they're on opposing sides. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to end ugly and then they'll be really... Uh, the way Yellowstone generally works is that his biological dad's probably not going to survive this season. And then there'll be some some major tension between them, the, next, the two of them in the next one. Yeah, I, I was going to move on to another element, but, but we can keep going with some of the other details in there. At least for me, where I kind of want to see it go is for Jamie to step up and win the governorship and have actual power over John and have that dynamic kind of right. be the thing that trades off between them. I think that, that would, would be interesting. Yeah, that would certainly be interesting. And there's something to be said about, you know, each season and most television, each season has like a main storyline that gets wrapped up by the end of mm-hmm. the story of the season. And while that is sometimes can be really satisfying, um, I think there's something to be said about this, uh, like what you're sort of suggesting that gets a little bit more drawn out because other than, uh, then if, you know, the, the, you risk the, I think Breaking Bad had this problem too, was that like every season there would be like a new person coming for his throne. And by the yeah. end of that season, that person would be dead, each one. Mm-hmm. And it would sort of reset, start over. He'd be the big boss. He'd be like, everything's going great. And then he's got a new adversary. And I got really tired of that by the end. And I felt like to me, that really hurt the overall of Breaking Bad because it became in a way like very formulaic. And I feel like this show risks that problem too. And, you know, if they make it feel like a little bit more, less like an episodic season and more like a, of a long-term story, I think I think that would benefit it overall. Yeah, I completely agree. One thing I am enjoying is these little 
uh, vacations almost that we get into Jimmy's life down at the four sixes. Right, right. <laughs> it's almost like you're in a completely different show with him, uh, but it's still very, very Jimmy where he's this bumbling idiot just kind of trying to make his way into cowboydom or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of annoying at first and sort of like, are we dedicating a whole episode to this? And now they've figured out a way how to use it in, in a way that it becomes sort of like, not if not comedic relief, just some sort of relief from like the tension of really heavy stuff because like the, the things that are going there are, are fairly light now. Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty dark for Jimmy at first. And now they've, they've used that as a, as a device to cut away to something less grim. And I think that works. Well, and it, it's developed in a way where it definitely shows that Jimmy has a type. He likes women that are very outspoken and basically <laughs> tell him what to do, <laughs> more or less. Um, I don't know if Jimmy has a type, though. I think Jimmy is just is typed like women just like him and go for him. He doesn't have yeah. much say in the equation. He's just like, OK, cool. I'll go along for this. You know, yeah, you're paying attention to me. I love that. That's pretty yeah. much his type is they they say his name. They, they'll, they'll actually like sleep with him. They actually, you know, they'll, they'll tolerate him. That's his type. He doesn't, yeah. I, I think Jimmy would pretty much, he's such a like, he's like paper in the air that'll take him in whatever direction it goes. So maybe, maybe that's something for an arc for them to eventually put on for him is, is, is to him to have some sort of purpose instead of just being this guy who sort of just like goes here and there or wherever he's told and, you know, have some sort of agency. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, like that said, I, I enjoy who he is and this kind of like dumbass and the stupid shit that he does, but maybe he's got to come into his own at some point, you know? Well, it kind of seems like he is. He's kind of. Yeah, maybe uh, it's, that's the whole purpose of, of, of where he is now. And, and yeah. they basically written his girlfriend and the other girl out of the show, right? So far. Eventually, I think it's all going to come around. Like he is going to be very, I wouldn't say put down roots, but he's going to become stable down there. He's probably going to become more relied upon. His, his you don't think he's going to come back? Oh, I do. His relationship will be stronger. And then at that point, he's probably going to get called back and he probably won't want to. And he's going to get thrown into the whirlwind that is the Dutton Ranch. I mean, they can't just have Jimmy doing Jimmy things every season in some random area or he's eventually going to have to leave the four sixes. That makes sense. What do you think? I like the way you, you laid down sort of like where things are heading, but like, yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling to find one that's like like my favorite or like the best because it's I don't know it's not quite all fully cooked yet you know no I do I mean I really even though they're they're kind of meandering and stuff these these moments yeah. with Beth and Rip the the Casey and Monica stuff is actually becoming enticing so I, I like those those things as well I mean the the whole thing where it actually like cracks Beth and and you figure out why she hates being in that dining room. And the facade that she's seeing every time she sits down at that table. I think that was kind of a, a brilliant way to to kind of write a reason into her storming out of dinner every fucking time she sits down at the table. Right. She's such a disaster at, at dinner. Mm-hmm. And and did, did they explicit did she like spell it out exactly? Was it her mom? Like, did I miss that? Like, what was the Yeah, it just kind of she said uh, something to the effect that it was the facade of the perfect family mm-hmm. that that John likes to you know, portray at dinner time there that it's this idyllic American family that she just her reality doesn't align with that. And it drives her insane, obviously. Yeah, she's got the, the allergic reaction to it. Exactly. And and Rip being someone who's just not a part of that is able His to kind of suggest to something simple. Yeah. Right? Exactly. He's Rip. He's he breaks it down in the simplest terms and 
gives her uh, an actual solution that works for her. So what else has happened significant? We, we saw the loss of, of one of, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler now because people have probably seen it, but we lost, we saw the loss of that, that sheriff, that main sheriff cop, Haskell, yeah. who uh, my theory is he's already on Sheridan's other show. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> on, on, uh, mayor of Kingstown. And he's kind of arguably got a bigger role there. I wonder if they decided, you know, he's doing double duty on both shows. I wonder if they decided, like, let him step up on Mayor of Kingstown and have a, a real kind of role and sort of uh, exit out of, of Yellowstone, because that's yeah. what basically happened to him. <laughs> Definitely makes sense, considering they're shooting in completely different areas of the country. Probably a little difficult. Yeah, yeah. And also that shootout was like, to me, it was like kind of terrifying, but I also was like, is that kind of shit happened a lot in middle America? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or is this just like, is this just like the drama of the show or, or does this shit happen? Cause I was like, I took it as Taylor's like, Hey, it's a Western, it's a modern Western. So we have right. to have a shootout at the corral or the right. saloon or whatever. So that's his modern version of it. I don't know that there was much of a reason for it other than we have to kill Sheriff Haskell at some point. Yeah. Um, it's sort of strange. I'm trying to figure out if there was like some sort of bigger reasoning to it. And also like, is there going to be a fallout to it? Because like, it was so cavalier in a way, right? Mm -hmm. um, like what they did they're not cops is there a point to it like where it's going to show up on the next episode and and it's going to be in the news and that's going to get john dutton in trouble and that's going to hurt his his, his governorship his yeah. governorship and all that like i hope there's a real point to it you know mm -hmm. like uh, like i don't like when something of that magnitude is uh is just like thrown aside this show even though it's a it's a western and it's a melodrama and you know in its roots it's still rooted in, in real human behavior and real human like things i just hope that it just it's just it's not one of those things it's just like yeah we had a shootout we killed a couple people we move on like there needs yeah. to be i think some consequences or some fallout i think you're right i think it's going to come out and, and hurt john uh when it comes to all the governor stuff but we'll we'll see what happens obviously there's a lot of threads hanging at this point for nine and ten to wrap up the jamie and 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 john showdown which is mm -hmm. coming i guess and both of them running that's probably the most interesting part it's just still so distant it, it's like it, it feels like seven and eight they should have been butting heads already and, mm. and they're not they're not even in the same room yet yeah they're they're teasing it but they're not there yet i know it's coming do you want to talk about the the whole Casey and Monica, her being pregnant thing? How do you feel about that? I mean, it's fine, whatever. I think the, my biggest in my craw is this, and, and, I, and I'm enjoying 1883, and maybe this is the way to segue it, but the commercial for it, essentially, it's like, again, they play like 10 minutes of an episode or something <laughs> of the uh, of the future, or it's it's not clear, but like, it's, it's pretty annoying, in fact. Like, I was like, you're opening the episode, a new Yellowstone episode, with a completely different show and you're forcing a viewer who may not know it or haven't seen it to like watch like i mean maybe it wasn't 10 minutes but oh, it sure it's all like yeah they really minutes. wanted people to watch it and obviously they really really watch. wanting people to watch 1883 and as someone who's seen 1883 or, or the first three episodes given to press i think it's pretty good but yeah. i find it like annoying like i'm like these are two kind of separate things and i know you want people to see it but it's like it's like super interrupting I don't understand what thematically, you know, what this this thing had 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 to do with this episode of Yellowstone. You know, I think in the first episode um, when they did that, at least that I you know realized eventually that they they did have a, a thematic revenant resonance to it with like you know the um, the buried uh, uh, indigenous mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a connection there, but this one just felt like really gratuitous. 
Yeah, uh, in a you, way you get to really, see the, really, James potentially how he dies. Yeah, it's like, so for context for people uh, who don't know exactly what we're talking about is that, okay, 1883 is the prequel to Yellowstone. And it is obviously set 1883 long. It's, it's John Dutton's great-great-grandfather. And the show starts off at a certain point. And it's basically... Uh, the best way to put it is like, you know, pioneers going on, um, I wouldn't say an adventure, but like pioneers just trying to, to figure out where they want to go and, and where they're going to like, you know, um, homestead, where they're going to live. And, and, and that's going to take them on a big journey. And so that, that the 1883 is essentially the, the beginning of the Dutton Empire before it started, because they're in Texas right now. They're traveling to Oregon you know, on the show uh, because they're helping some migrants. And then eventually they're going to get to Montana. So like if 1883 runs for, I don't know, however many seasons, I'm assuming the last season is when they finally get to Montana or something like that. It's like, they're not going to get to Montana right away, but on Yellowstone, they're showing us some pretty crucial things that are already happening in Montana, even for someone who's actively watching both of them and enjoying both of them. I'm finding that jarring. And so I can't imagine what it's got to be like for people who have not seen 1883 and it, it just like, you know what I mean? So they're, they're, yeah. there's 1883, the show it's, it's set in 1883. And then the, what they're showing us in Yellowstone is seems like it's several years later. You want to know why it is? Why is that? I actually talked with Tim McGraw about this. They oh, filmed, really? yeah, they filmed all of the Yellowstone, like little vignettes before 1883, before 1883 was even a thing. And because the, the, the network loved what they were doing so much, it became a series. So oh, really? they didn't even think about 1883 yet. So they were just creating these vignettes and then sticking them in to the show. And then Paramount said, oh, we want more of that. We want a series of that. Yeah, exactly. Which is insane. Wow. Well, that's even more insane then because, I mean, that, that's interesting because you guys, if you're listening to this, you're going you're gonna to hear Tim McGraw eventually. Um, <laughs> Well, let's that's fully even, move over to 1883. <laughs> that's just <laughs> strange to me because then you'd have to be like really, really invested in Yellowstone because it's not like they really set up and explain to the viewer who Tim McGraw is on Yellowstone and stuff. Like you kind of mm-hmm. get it through dialogue, but it's it's not super spelled out, right? I mean, I think he's referred to as James Dutton uh, at some point. In the first time he, he appears, I'm not positive though. I'd have right. to maybe they had, I think maybe in the very first episode, they did some sort of title card or something. Yeah. And they put the year up, which was like in the 1890s. So, you know, right. it's afterwards. Right. I mean, I still feel like that's a lot to ask for an audience. Again, as someone who's watching all these things, I'm like, what? What? Why is this here? Mm-hmm. I'm always it, very confused when 1883 pops up, even yeah. in, con- in context of knowing what it is. So. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting in that it's kind of you know where everything's headed already, so it's right. kind of strange. But again, they didn't have the the roadmap really, so they're they're just kind of making it up as they go. And luckily, they're successful so far. Interesting. You know, let's talk about 1883, which yeah. Paramount made a big fanfare today about it being the highest rated premiere on Paramount Plus, and then the highest rated new series premiere on cable since 2015. So yeah, yeah it it did good numbers for them. So all this, maybe all those little crossover vignettes and the the commercials that they've been playing <laughs> in between nonstop right. uh, really paid off. So yeah, maybe uh, someone, maybe someone when, when they're listening to me complaining an exec would be like to point at the wall and point at these numbers and be like, shut the fuck up. This yeah. <laughs> Scoreboard motherfucker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
And in so, that sense, it's like, okay, maybe that's hard to argue, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially yeah. in a time and uh, in an era when we're looking at like, you know, ratings of this or this or that or box office doing poor, you know, like it's, uh, I, I guess I get it on that level. And you really don't, you don't need any of the stuff that appears on Yellowstone to understand and enjoy 1883. Oh no, you could, you could just totally watch 1883 in a bubble. And and that's the good part of it. I, I don't, I don't think you should ever expect a, a viewer to, to watch two different shows and mm-hmm. understand and know all the ins and outs of all that stuff. You definitely should not do that. And so that's what, at least what I like about 1883 is that like, yeah, you can watch that in a bubble. You could never turn on an episode of uh, Yellowstone and it'll be fine so far anyhow. <laughs> yeah. It's a pure prestige Western, which is really interesting to see because you don't really get to see that much these days. I mean, we got a little bit in Westworld, but obviously that took a huge turn. Right. And I gave I don't... up on Westworld. I found it so <laughs> uninteresting. Def- definitely self-involved. Involved. But this kind of plays like Oregon Trail, the series in the best of ways. I kind of like it. It's it's everyone versus the elements and bandits yep. and everything that comes along with heading into uncharted territory in the old west i agree and it's also you know thematically within sheridan's wheelhouse which is like men or people in their environment and them being the products of their environment and the ideas of self-reliance living off the land all the challenges that come with that you know the whether it's like you said the climate being the antagonist or other people or whatever there's just myriad challenge challenges along the way and the show is essentially a family which is the duttons james Mm -hmm. dutton played by tim mcgraw his, his wife, um, played by Faith Hill, and their family, and them going on this journey. They've been wrapped up with a- Yeah, like a caravan of immigrants. Uh, and so that's the other part of the story, if you want to tee that up. Well, um, well Sam Neill kind of takes on this yeah. you know, losing battle of helping these like gypsy and German immigrants across the Old West, even though he knows it's like a doomed project that he's taking on with LaMonica Garrett who's kind of his right-hand man. He ropes John into it just because he sees him as someone who's handy and knows what he's doing. And John, or James, I should say, James, yeah. really reluctantly says yes. Like he he doesn't want his family wrapped into this, but he's he's doing it anyway because he's he's a Dutton, basically. He's a good man that just- Well, yeah, I mean, like his, is essentially his family, I, I think, you know, it's not super clear, but it's like, basically like we're heading in the same direction. It'll, it will be mutual. Our interests are aligned and I will help you out. But he's like, I'm not taking a paycheck. Like everyone else who's, who's working with um, Sam Elliott's uh, Shea Brennan character is being paid. Right. Like they're mm-hmm. on his, they're, he, I mean, he's doing it for two reasons, right? One, he's getting paid to take these immigrants and two, he thinks it's the right thing to do. And, 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 and we will, I guess I, I won't spoil that element, you know, in case any, cause I'm assuming a lot of people probably hasn't watched that yet, but he's coming just from great tragedy and he's lost everything. Yeah. And that's sort of like, that's a, I liked how it really started with that because it, it, it explains everything about who he is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. He's lost everything. He's faced this horrible tragedy and he's, he's about to give up. He's about to give up his life and he decides not to. And then he takes on this, this mission that becomes sort of like a even moralistic crusade in a way, right? Like I've got nothing and the world is shit and it's horrible, but these fucking people, these immigrants who are very uh, naive and ill-equipped and basically are going to lose their lives on this journey. He's like, I want to give them a chance because I can, and I'm willing to do it. You know, I can do it because I think I can at least get a lot of, you know, there's going to be casualties for sure, but mm-hmm. I, I can get a lot of these people there and I feel oh. like it's the right thing to do. So yeah, there are people story, right? getting sick and dying within the first couple episodes already. So 
it's it's yeah, going to be yeah. a rough ride i have a feeling yeah well i mean they set that up well like you know they they say it almost every turn like you know essentially it's a caravan right it's a yep. caravan of immigrants and that they're helping them to get to oregon and they basically say like you know i don't know how like i don't know how many times they say it but to each other but it's basically like you know we're gonna lose a lot of these people along the way we're not even sure if they're gonna make it and and we've seen that happen over the course of the three episodes that we've seen like a lot of you know, there's not many key immigrant figures. There's one guy named Joseph who's played yeah. by Mark Reisman, and he's sort of like the main, uh, like the main leader fig- figure. But there's only like maybe him and one other person who, the rest are sort of this uh, big or organic shape of, of of people who, you know, I'm sure more will will come to the surface. But right now, it's just maybe him and that other woman who's like that, who's you know called the, like the that gypsy woman. Yeah, who um, lost her husband and is kind yeah. of trying to. Find yeah, and there's a lot of like you know, a lot of hardship and a lot of people uh, living through those hardships, which I think is also um, a very Sheridan thing, right? Like a lot of these people are coming with like major baggage because the environment was hostile and harsh back then. And people lost children easily. People lost family easily. You know, it wasn't uncommon for people at that time to be in a family of three or four people like this family, like this, this version of the Duttons and having lost several other uh, family members. And as the show goes on, we do see a little bit of that. And so, yeah, I think it's thematically in his wheelhouse. I think it's pretty interesting. My biggest thing is that voiceover. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to come up just because, yeah. yeah, the second we heard it, we're like, what? And you were yes. like talking to me about it offline <laughs> instantly. Yeah. You want to, you want to tee that up a little bit? <laughs> well, I mean, the whole show is done. Uh, Isabel May, who is amazing on the show yes, as uh, Elsa she's Dutton. Amazing big breakout as far as i'm concerned yeah she is fantastic but she has to do this voiceover to guide people through each episode and it's just i don't know it doesn't work for me um, it really doesn't I, I don't think so either it's i found it really fascinating in a, in a given his milieu is so masculine and brawny and stout and you know all this steely men and stuff to give essentially the perspective of the show is from the teenage daughter right mm-hmm like this feminine perspective, like she's telling the story really. And she gives us like interludes. She sort of checks in with the audience. It's a device that so far Sheridan has never really used. And so in theory, it's different and it's interesting to give it a female point of view, but it's just so, it's like, I I called it in my review, like basically the same voiceover kind of thing from Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven from Linda Mm -hmm. Mann. It's very like frou-frou. It's very, you know, little gossamer, poetic things here and there and it just does not work with with what he's set up yeah and the the accent doesn't completely <laughs> land every time yeah yeah maybe yeah i mean i noticed that a little bit less but I, i'm just sort of like and, and you know I, I love malik and i love voiceover poetic voiceover when used correctly you know like i'm not against that kind of thing like you know malik's done it in every one of his films and in every one of his films it's incredible but in this it's like you got a regular taylor sheridan show and then you cut to all of a sudden the wind and the sunlight and you know fingers going through the wheat terrence malick style (laughs) with some like very precious and affected voiceover that just like i'm like "Eh," I, i have an immediate allergic reaction to it every time it comes on I, or honestly i'm always like what like what the fuck you know yeah I, i'm not a huge fan of it either but they they take a lot of other you know big gambles one of which is casting you know tim and faith in yeah. the, pretty much the leads who yeah. acted previously but never really had to carry a project or anything and not and even I, a project a series that like will yeah. probably go on for a long time yes 
and they are amazing in it. They're fucking great. Like I, I, I can't believe I'm saying these words. Like, I remember like even saying to my wife, I was like, you know, because we're 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 big Yellowstone fans. We watch this, and now we're watching 1883. And I was like, I can't believe that you know they put the fucking fate of this show in two country stars who are yes, big charismatic stars, but they've never really, they certainly never led a fucking TV show before. Yes, they he, he's done a lot of work. If you look at his IMDb, but it, it mostly seems like, you know, just a lot of supporting stuff. Yeah. I don't think he's um, ever done a lead. Yeah. And I, and honestly, I was looking through the IMDb and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen any of these things. Or if I have, like, I don't remember him in it. Like it was like such a small thing that like, there's nothing on there that, that, that stood out at me. And she's got basically like one or two things like stepford wives that remake and mm-hmm. she's got almost nothing on her cv they're fucking solid they're just it's like they pluck them from the same kind of like yellowstone kind of like group of actors and they're great and, and yeah uh, you know they're not necessarily like um gonna win any awards or anything but they're certainly they they uh they certainly don't feel out of place at all yeah, it seems the Emmys are a bit Yellowstone averse. Uh, we'll see now that it's becoming more and more popular if they start paying attention, but it doesn't seem like they they really care to. I kind of doubt they will. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's almost kind of fair because I, if I think of like all the stuff that I think is top shelf TV, I don't think overall Yellowstone is quite there in terms of I mean, of like- Kelly Riley deserves some fucking awards, man. Kelly <laughs> At Riley. the very least. Yes, I, I will. I will not argue with that. Maybe, Especially because you know, I, I discovered she's British and very yeah. tame <laughs> compared yeah. in comparison to Beth, which is insane. Yeah. You didn't know that? Did not know that until today. Really? So it's insane. Oh my God, wow. See, I knew that because I had seen her in a few things. And I mean, let's face it, she's pretty gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I'd noticed her several years ago. She was, I, I noticed her several years ago. And then at one point she was like Jude Law's, wife in the sherlock holmes movies oh that's right that's where and i was already a fan by then mm-hmm. um and and then uh you know and then she got this and it uh it really took her to uh you know next level and really blew her out but but you know back to 1883 like everyone's really good isabel may is terrific mm-hmm. um as El- elsa dutton they're uh, the, the eldest daughter of James and Margaret. That's uh, Faith Hill's character's name. And who else do we got? We got LaMonica Garrett, who you mentioned. Yep. Um, and then uh, you're you're also you've talked to. We're gonna we'll hear it on this podcast eventually, but you've also talked to um, Eric Nelson, who is a yep. character called Ennis, who is a young cowboy who joins the, this this caravan eventually. I think in the second or third episode. Um, so yeah, you talk to him, and we'll roll that interview out probably next time right yep next week we'll we'll throw it on the end of that one and he's kind of like the i wouldn't say he's a direct correlation to jimmy but he's kind of that fool who's likable uh, obviously is a love interest for elsa and his buddy that james landry uh her bay guys is, is mm-hmm. really good too he's always been um he's a great little indie actor um he's been a bunch of good stuff i think he was that dude who got like punched out by brad pitt in once upon a time in hollywood oh, nice. I believe that's him. he he's he's got a really and i don't mean to uh uh to offend him because uh but he's got like he plays a good villain he's got a very mm-hmm. like wiry body and a kind of weasley kind of face and l- long teeth and just like he he can look really i mean that's not his character on this show but I wonder if if that's uh, in the cards for him at some point because he's always playing. He he's he just his face is like he's always playing a conniving character. He's yeah. always playing someone underhanded. 
someone who uh, has uh, ill intentions. So I wonder if they're going to break form with that or they're going to go there with him. Um, but that's interesting. I, and I like that guy. He, he's really good. I, I like pretty much everyone they put on screen. And then on top of that, they have these because it's a Taylor Sheridan show and he's becoming an empire in himself. Yeah. You get these little cameos that yeah, you great. get Tom Hanks showing up. You get yeah. uh, Billy Bob Thornton showing up. Uh, amazingly enough, are not there because of Taylor Shader. They're there because of Tim McGraw. You, right. you learn about that as well in our interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad you asked them about that because I was I was very curious. And I really want to, I have still haven't listened to um, your Tim McGraw interview. So that's coming up. And, and I'm really looking forward to that because, I mean, just one that's like, you know, playlists in Tim McGraw seems so uh, far removed, <laughs> but, but I also love that. I think that's cool. Like I, I, it's, it's good that we are doing different shit and, you know, expanding our horizons and it's not necessarily a, a, the main demo, but it's, you know, good is good, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And, and, and uh, this Sheridan sort of uh, milieu, this empire that he's built has certainly intrigued us. So um, yeah. Yeah. I'm really intrigued with where 1883 is going. There's not a lot to unpack yet just because there's only been a couple episodes that have aired and there's a lot to, to still unravel. They've only just started their journey, Yeah, but man, it's a really, really promising start. I'm, yeah. I'm it's, really it's, it's just really solid. I think it's the best way to put it. Um, I think what's really cool is the relationship between um, Sam Elliott's Shea Brennan character and Tim McGraw's uh, James Dutton character. There's a lot of, you feel that tension and conflict, but you yeah. know, you can see them being like, maybe like at the, by the end of the show, they're like their best friends. You know what I mean? Like yeah. lifelong friends and maybe their families are families who, who go on to be intertwined or something. I don't know who knows, but um, there's a lot of good, rich material there. Another thing that's coming up is eventually Graham Greene is going to be on the show and he's going to be like a, a native uh, uh, indigenous person. I think like a, a maybe a potentially a famous figure. Um, oh, really? Then. He's going to be on it. And so that, that'll that be interesting. Uh, I'd like to see where that goes. Yeah, well, they open up with a bit of a tease as far as what where this is all going, which is kind of a slaughter of their whole camp. At least that's what oh, it seems right. like. Oh, right, that's right, that's right. The show starts off in the future. Mm -hmm. okay. And then fast forwards back to the, I guess, their present. So yeah, that was interesting because who knows when we're going to see that, right? Like this, yeah. this basically it, it, yeah, it begins with a, a massacre at the hands of native Indians and Elsa Dutton is sort of like, uh, she looks like she's the only one alive at that point, but we don't really know, but yeah, uh, it's definitely an intriguing way to start it. And now we'll have to see when that show catches up with that moment. And It'll be interesting to to see when if that's something that like you know comes at the end of the season or if it's like way down the road. I have a you know, feeling they'll at least tie it in by the end of the season. Yeah, you, you probably should, but I guess you kind of just never know, you know. Yeah, I guess yeah. it would be a pretty big gamble for them to expect people to understand what that is like two seasons later or something. <laughs> you never so you're know. Probably, you're probably right, but you know, crazier things are ha have happened in, in these series. So I guess. At this point, we'll just tell everybody to stay tuned next week when we'll talk about episode nine of Yellowstone and episode three of 1883. And we'll welcome uh, a guest that we talked about uh, before, Eric Nelson, who plays Ennis, Elsa Dutton's cowboy love interest on 1883. That conversation was delightful. Can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, but we still have one more piece to today's episode, which is my conversation with the outstanding and humble Tim McGraw. And I know it's becoming a full-time job, especially for us, but keep on Yellowstone and guys. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I also, I just got to say, it's so cool that, that we got Tim McGraw for this. So that's really cool. And, and I hope people stick around and listen to that interview and share it and whatnot. I mean, we're on our fifth episode of Yellowstoners, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. But we've already had uh, a few interviews that we're going to be putting on the, the the show and we got more that might be coming. So it's just, you know, it's it's good. It's a good time to be a Yellowstone fan. All right, man. Let's get to Tim McGraw. Tim, thanks so much for giving me your time today. I really appreciate it. I uh, like everybody else. I've gotten to see the first three. I think you're outstanding in this uh, in this role. It's really really great. I appreciate that. Thank you. So let's go back to the beginning. As far as how did this come to you? Did, I I picture Taylor begging you to do it because I don't <laughs> see you like pursuing a role like this. So how did how did this come to you? Yeah, I certainly wasn't looking for a TV series to do. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if I would ever think about dedicating that much time to to something um but it happened because i got a call from taylor last year and i i didn't know taylor but my agent called and said hey taylor wants to call you can i give him your number and i'm like well you know of course you can give taylor my number because faith and i were big huge yellowstone fans we'd we'd started watching yellowstone from the very first night of the very first premiere of the first episode and oh, we wow. were hooked on it so um he called and he said he's a big fan, and I said I was a big fan of his, and he said, would you be interested in being on Yellowstone and doing a cameo on Yellowstone? And I said, of course, but, you know, I, it had to be an interesting part. I don't want to just show up and, you know, get taken to the train station or something like that. <laughs> I, I want to do something cool. And then he said, he said, I have an idea. I'll call you back in a week. Sure enough, a week later, he called and laid out the idea that he had for this flashback, a couple of sequences of, of um being the original Dutton who founded Yellowstone Ranch. So we did the flashback sequences. And a couple of months later, he said, I, I played the flashbacks for the studio, and I think that they want to buy an entire prequel but based on these. Would you be interested? And I said, well, of course I'd be interested. And then you go through all the business part of it where, you know, let's, let's talk about, you know, once we get down the road, we'll talk about the deal. We'll talk about, you know, if we get all those things right, you know, and then we see the script, and of course we're interested. And then he started sending the scripts to faith and I, and oh from the very first one, we were completely bought into it and hooked. It was just magic. It's, you know, I've read a lot of scripts, read a lot of books, heard a lot of songs. This is one of the best things I've ever read in my life. Faith and I both said that. And, and by the end of it, it just blew us away by the yeah. time we got to the last script. So, and then when Sam Elliott came on board, it, it you know, when you have Taylor Sheridan, you have, one of the best things you've ever read. You get to do it with your wife and Sam Elliott comes on board. How do you, how do you not do it? I mean, no matter what the business deal is, you know, how do you not do it? I mean, it's yeah. just something that that's one of those once in a lifetime opportunities. Yeah. It seems perfect for, for the both of you. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you guys have done like an album together. Were you at all hesitant to act opposite each other? And you know, how rewarding was that experience? No, we weren't, we weren't hesitant. Um, the only thing we were hesitant about is, you know, dedicating five or six months of our life, you know, six days a week, 12, 14 hours a day, because, you know, we have, you know, 24 year old, a 23 year old, a 20 year old daughter. They're going through moving times in their lives and transition times in their lives. That was the thing that was the only thing that, that made us sit down and really talk about it and think about it is all right. And, and talk with our daughters about it. Um, uh, is, is how's it going to affect their lives and our lives 
altogether. And that was the biggest decision-making point. It wasn't about the material. It wasn't about the, the work. It wasn't about the time and energy and the dedication it was going to take. It was more about, you know, we're pulling out of our life for a little while. And yeah. um, our girls were so supportive. And they were, the, I mean, they were really the ones that were like, you guys, you have to do this. This is, they were just all in. And, and luckily for us, we're a close family and they like being with us. So they spent a lot of time <laughs> with us hanging out on set. So that was a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. So you're, you know, for people that are listening that are uninformed, you're playing James and Faith is playing Margaret Dutton. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're the the great grandfather to Kevin Costner's John grandfather. Dutton. I think the I think the math works out to great grandfather. Yeah. Like for a while, I thought it was great great grandfather, but I think the math <laughs> works out to great grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. So how much did the the performance of Kevin and all the people that that do the Duttons on Yellowstone? How much did that inform? your character or performance at all I certainly paid attention to it for sure it's in the mannerisms and, and those sorts of things I, it was something that I paid attention to not only to to Kevin but to for for Casey and, and for Beth as well and then in the first son who owned Yellowstone who got killed right away I mean I, I I paid attention to all those things and I think what people will see and what's I think really interesting about certainly 1883 stands on its own and you can have never seen Yellowstone and you can watch 1883 and get it. And But however, I think that will lead you to watch Yellowstone if you haven't seen it already. And if you are a Yellowstone fan, when you watch 1883, you'll start saying, ah, I see, I see the Dutton lineage. <laughs> I can see the progression of how, how they became who they are. And, and I think that that's pretty important. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that you guys seem like Duttons instantly. It's pretty, yeah. It's yeah. pretty seamless. And it's also like, you got to act opposite like Tom Hanks randomly. He just yeah. pops up and they've already announced that. So I can, so I can mention it, but yeah. how did that come together? And and how was it, you know, working with him in those scenes? I don't know if they, he pops up more of the season for that storyline or what? Uh, he's a great guy. You know, Tom, Tom, Rita and Faith and I have been great friends for a long, long time. So when the script came along and we were talking about it and I said, you know, there's a, there's a cool cameo in here. If you'd be interested in doing it, he goes, and he was just, hell yeah, tell me where to be. When do I need to be there? I'll, I'm, I'll do it. And it was so we have simple. you to thank. Yeah. So he was that, it was that <laughs> simple. He just, he just was, he was there to support us and support our, his friends. And, and that, that speaks volumes about who Tom Hanks is as a person. Yeah. And I know he's a huge history buff too. So that probably had a draw. To oh yeah, too. absolutely. He did a lot of study and he knew, he knew all about the character he was playing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then obviously, like you said, Sam Elliott pops up, Billy Bob yeah. Thornton. Uh, I know and Sam Billy Bob and I go back a while too, because we really were Friday, Friday night lights together. That's so, right. Yeah. That's so right. we've been friends for a long time as well, yeah. man. And I know Taylor is basically in love with Sam Elliott. I don't know yeah. how much he fawned over him on set, but what kind of tone do those guys set on, on, on the set? Uh, well, Sam is just, he's a sweetheart for one thing. He's just one of the sweetest guys in the world, but he's also such a professional and you can't as an actor, if you don't stand there and study everything that Sam Elliott does, then you're an idiot because he's <laughs> one of the greatest that there is. And, and um, for me, just to be offset and watch him work and then to be in scenes with him is one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had in any part of my artistic career. And you both get some pretty heavy scenes here to, yeah. to play off each other and, and solo. Yeah, it's really great stuff. And I'm hearing the shooting experience was insane, like 100 degree heat, no bathrooms in the middle of nowhere. How was it from your perspective? Were you enjoying it or were you like, this is a little, 
Well, two out in the middle of nowhere. We were enjoying it, but uh, it was challenging for sure. I mean, probably the toughest is having to pee. <laughs> <laughs> because you got chaps on, you have gun belts on, you have button fly pants. And and when it was cold, you had long john. I mean, it was it was like <laughs> it was tough to have to have to do that. But yeah, we when Faith and I first signed up to do this, I, I told her, I said, you know, we're just so you know, we're either going to be cooking hot are freezing cold there's not going to be many days that's in between and comfortable so just know that when we're going into it um and it's been that way it's been the elements have been really challenging for us and the crew uh, but i but i think that that's part of the character of the show and i think that that really lends itself to to an extra element of the show that adds the realism to it yeah you can really feel it yeah and even in the episode where it's kind of explaining the dangers yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty intense I'm wondering, you know, just with this being your first, like where you're, you and Faith are top of the card pretty much. How much pressure do you feel going in? Did you ever feel like maybe I shouldn't have said yes to this? Or was this like, I am so glad I said yes to this the whole time. We were always glad we said yes to it. Um, I don't think we ever thought we, we, we never wished that we hadn't done it. Um, I think our, our biggest, not concern, but our biggest driving factor was we didn't want to be in, we didn't want to be a weak link yeah. in the project. And, you know, it, it's easy to look at us and think, you know, maybe should they, should they have gotten this gig because, you know, the, who are they to get this gig? You know, they're, you know, you know, all that stuff, but we wanted to make sure we brought our A game when we did it. And we didn't want to let any of the other actors down. And that yeah. was, and we didn't want to let Taylor down. And, and we, and we knew the network and Taylor and everybody else was putting you know, a lot of faith in us mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure that we delivered. Uh, I can safely say that n- neither of you let anybody down. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're, you're spectacular in it. And, and how was it working with some of the people who play like your kids? Cause these are newcomers relatively. Yeah. How, how was it forming that relationship? Oh man. Well, Isabel May is yes. a superstar. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's incredibly talented. I think that she's got the world opened up to her after this. I mean, she she just really blew us away. And when we walked on set the first walked at cowboy camp the first day and met her in our minds, in her mind, we were, everybody around us was like, oh, my God, she literally looks like she could be y'all's daughter. I mean, her and our middle daughter could be twins, actually. So it was a perfect fit. And then the more we got to know her and how smart and how how talented she was, the, the, the better the relationship became. And, and that's what's great about everybody in this entire cast. We've formed such a great family. Everybody's really close. Everybody really respects each other. I mean, we, we actually call each other and like, hey, what are you doing? Let's get together tonight, you know, even when we're not working. So it's, uh, it's become a really, really good bonded family. And I think that, that it's part of the reason the show has turned out so well. It really has. And I'm glad you mentioned that, that Isabel looks like she could be your daughter because I had to stop the show and look it up, just be like, are, are we sure here that she is not really related to you guys? Because she really does look like she could be your kid. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I just have one last, you know, uh, fun question for you, just because I'm a huge fan of Yellowstone myself. Do you have a favorite Dutton on, on the original series? And I'll count oh Rip God. as a Dutton as well. Well, I, I like Beth. Oh, you've I made mean, the right choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Beth fan for sure. I mean, who wouldn't want to be Beth? Yeah, exactly. She's got the craziest lines in the whole world. Yeah, what a great role, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. what a great character to play. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah, we. Yeah, I, we I had, I'm a best. I'd go on best team. Yeah, for sure. Both we have a, a Yellowstone podcast over at at the the playlist, and Beth is is pretty much a constant mention every yeah. time we do one. So, but I do like Rip as well, even though he's not a Dutton. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, he's basically an honorary Dutton at this yeah, point, you know. Sure. And who knows? Um, he may be a Dutton. We just don't know yet. Uh, who knows? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you never know where things could lead. Yeah. But yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Like I like I said, this is a, a great series. And also, personally, I grew up in rural Wisconsin, so I had country radio on all the time. You and Faith were constantly buzzing around my head. I, this right is on. a real great honor for me. Thank you, sir. Good talking to you. Yeah, it was I good like talking the Packers to you. jersey. I was a Packers fan during the Favre years. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Favre, Favre was great. Rodgers, he's got a lot of freaking talent. I'm just wondering what we're going to do when he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. But but I, I'm, I'm a Favre guy. Yeah, he's great. He was great. All right, I appreciate right on, it, Tim. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>